This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. The guys have, have really stepped up the last week. We, we're starting to get the results. You know, we're playing the way we, we want to play. Like I said, heading into to the final stretch of the season, we kind of got away from it there for a little bit. Well, it definitely has a playoff feel to it. It's, that's what happens when you play in the playoffs. Um, so we're kind of treating these three games kind of like getting us ready for for playoff series. Not that we're going to play them, but you just want to get in a mindset where um, you could figure out teams, what they do well and what they don't do as well, and you try to exploit that. It's a hard league to win in. You wish you could go 82-0, and but you're not doing that. And... You know, when you get down to this time of year, teams have separated themselves from, you know, there's playoff teams and there's not playoff teams. This team that we played tonight is clearly a playoff team. And, uh, you know, we're trying to make sure we're one of those teams and to come in here and get four is a big boost for our club, especially after, probably, you know, our past 10 or 12 games. And so uh, really proud of the guys for their effort. I'm proud of them, too. Not that it matters. Dave Michigan's proud of them, but it doesn't matter what we think. Okay. It's what the head coach thinks. It's a Friday. Lightning feeling pretty good about their game. Steve Ersnick's our producer. I'm Greg Linelli, of course, and so is Dave Michigan here with us. We're here every weekday, noon to one. Sometimes we tape, sometimes we go live, just depending on Dave's schedule and my schedule, really, when you take a look at it. But a very good back-to-back results for the Tampa Bay Lightning against the New Jersey Devils. We're going to get into how it happened. What's going to happen this weekend, potentially? And what do these two wins mean against the New Jersey Devils? Do they mean anything in the big picture when you start talking about the regular season and where the team's game is right now? And, of course, you can hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. Partner, it's great to be with you. You were right there watching these games live, of course, calling it. And we wanted to see how the Lightning would respond to a team they had not seen all year in the New Jersey Devils, maybe the surprise team up to this point in the NHL season. A very good team, I think, as we saw through those two games. But big picture, I thought the Lightning's performance was very good. Yes, the results matter, and that's what you want to see. But I thought for a a decent amount of those two games, the Lightning defended pretty well. They got some timely goals. It was great to see the captain have a, a nice night last night. If you had a lot of concerns about the Lightning heading into this mini two-game series against the Devils, I'm wondering if those concerns should be alleviated just a little bit or even a lot based off of what we saw. I thought it was very workmanlike, and especially, Dave, going on the road where they have struggled this year to get four points against the Devils, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good about where Tampa Bay is heading into the weekend. Well, we try not to be a slave to the results, but the results matter. And the Lightning have not been, let's face it, a good road team this year. They've been much better at home than on the road, both in terms of their record and their performance. And they put forth against one of the top teams in the league, albeit a team that has done better on the road than at home this year, New Jersey, but they've been good at home. They've been outstanding on the road. They have the best road record in the league, but it's the same team, and the Lightning had to go into their place for back-to-back games Tuesday and Thursday, and I think they viewed these as measuring stick games to see where their game is at and to get a sense of what the New Jersey Devils are all about. And for them to come home with four out of four points is a great accomplishment. Now, let's not be a slave to the result. 
we were, I think, fair in looking at Tuesday's game, and the Lightning were able to win Tuesday's game in part because they made all the big plays at key times, and that helped swing the game in their favor, and then they locked it down in the third period once they had built a 4-1 lead, and it was a drama-free third period. Last night was not a drama-free third period. That was filled with drama. (laughs) In fact, there was a lot going on, particularly in the second half of the game, and the Lightning did not have a great third period. The two best periods the Devils had, if we exclude overtime, and overtime they had more possession. It's weird the Lightning actually had more shot attempts in overtime, but I thought the Devils had the better of the play in overtime, if, if you can jive that. But if we forget the overtime and look at the six periods, the two best periods the Devils had were the first period of the first game and the third period of the second game. So the Lightning did progressively better (laughs) after the first period on Tuesday. Their game improved through the second. Then they had an outstanding third. And they had an outstanding first period last night. And a good second period that was filled with more big plays, mostly by them. But they did not have a good third period. And they could have actually lost that game in regulation had things unfolded a little differently. So I'm not ready to proclaim that, you know, they are absolutely in tip-top shape for the playoffs because it's not like they played two perfect games. But can we expect that? Can we expect two perfect games against a quality opponent and one that has pride and was much closer to getting the game tied last night than they were on Tuesday? And they pushed, and they carried play in the third period and give them credit for that. Twice they tied the game. 2-1 became 2-2, 3-2 became 3-3, and they earned a point as a result, the Devils. So I'm acknowledging that there are ebbs and flows within games, but I think if we are to kind of view the Lightning's performance, these six periods plus overtime, the results were great. Their play, for the most part, was very, very good to outstanding. They had some big moments in both of these games that – it was very encouraging to see, but I will I will hearken back to what we talked about at the start of these two games, Greg. Are they limiting scoring chances? Are they limiting the high danger chances? They did that for long stretches in the two games, but they had a problem in the third period last night. I mean, you look at the shots, it was 9-3 to three Devils. That doesn't even begin to tell the story. The Lightning had a total in the third period, a total of seven shot attempts. The Devils had 26, and after Timo Meyer tied the game at three with the sixth attacker goal, the Lightning in the last two minutes of regulation probably gave up three to four grade-A scoring chances. So I think when John Cooper reviews the video, that's not going to sit well with him, but at the end of the day, they got the game to overtime, right? And then they got through overtime, and, and they won the game in the shootout, so they move on to Montreal tomorrow, a team that is really struggling, And then they'll have their third game of the week against the Devils. So I don't mean to be uh, a doom and gloomer. That's That's not what I meant to do. I'm just saying that it's not like they dominated these two games. They took on a quality opponent that had points in the two games when they showed just why they are where they are in the standings. And maybe in retrospect... Personally, I would have seen liked to have seen the Lightning react a little bit better in the third period when the other team made the push. But a dose of Vasilevsky, and you know they kind of hooked and crooked their way through it, 
and they had a lead, and they didn't fall behind. So they got a point out of the game, and then they ensured they got the second point in the shootout. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not arguing with anything you had to say. I mean, I think everything you said makes sense. I, I will just simply say, um, let's let's throw this and compare it to a playoff series. You're not going to dominate a team. You're just not. I mean, there are rare exceptions. I think we've seen the Lightning sweep some series before or win in five, and, and maybe they've done it pretty comfortably. But every one of those games outside, maybe for one or two, were pretty competitive over the last couple of years. I think it's really hard to sit here and say um, the Lightning, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, I'm just trying to take an overview of of maybe some people's view of this, is that, yeah, you, you would have liked to have seen better execution at times in those two games, but I think that's more about New Jersey than it is Tampa Bay not being able to do it. I mean, the other team, as we often say, Dave, especially an opponent like the Devils, they are going to have some pushback, and the Lightning aren't going to have, I think especially against really good teams, dominating performances all the time. You might not even consider it to be dominating performances against quality opponents anytime. I think it's what you do in the moments that are presented to you that often dictates who wins or loses against a team who is close in talent. And what I mean by that is, how many posts did the Devils hit in those two games? It was mainly yeah. in the first one. Um, very razor-thin-like margins there. Where, yeah, if, if they would have connected, maybe it's a different game, maybe it's a different series, for sure. They didn't. The Lightning were able to capitalize on theirs, and they should feel good about that. And in a seven-game series, did the Devils maybe win the series, win a few games? Probably. But I thought in a game like that where you're going to see some pushback from the other team because they're very talented and knowing that at times your game is going to be up and down a little bit because of the opponent, I was more encouraged about what they were able to do against New Jersey maybe than some just because it, it reiterates to me again that I think when the chips are down, the Lightning are going to dig in. It's not always going to be pretty. But they have enough players, Dave, who can make plays when called upon at the right times in a close game. And I have more confidence in that group than I would, let's say, the Devils converting and doing it for a full seven-game series against a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I liked what the Lightning did. And I understand there was going to be some uncomfortable moments against the Devils during this two-game series. But I thought the Lightning, maybe in typical Lightning fashion, for me at least, they made some plays, they got some breaks, but they it's how they handled those momentum swings and those breaks that allowed them to get four points against a, a Devils team who you know, maybe hasn't experienced that against this type of opponent who's been battle-tested over and over again over the last few years. Maybe I'm making too much out of it, but that's kind of how I looked at, at this mini two-game swing. The Lightning were just able to, to kind of bob and weave a little bit, take some punches, take some blows, and then when they had a counter... They did, and uh, it was enough to get four points against a, a pretty scrappy team. Look, they played a lot better on the road in these two games than they had in a lot of their other road games this year and certainly recent road games. All of that is a positive. And look, if we if we examine the six periods, I think the Lightning had an edge. Sometimes it was a big edge. In four of the six periods, all that is really positive. I guess I would, 
I would not go so far as to say they handled momentum surges well, however you framed it just now, because I'm thinking about how much the Devils got rolling in the first period of game one, and it took that shorthanded goal from Hagel to Sorelli to kind of stop it. But they hadn't been able to stop it prior to that, and the Devils hit multiple posts, could have been up by multiple goals. And then the third period last night, like, had had the Devils scored twice to tie the game, and the period would have been more level, I think I would have come into today's show feeling a little differently. But the Devils got rolling. The Lightning really didn't seem to have an answer to stop them. I guess that's what I'm saying about what I saw in the third period. And look, you're going to have that in some games. I understand that. The Devils are a good team. The Lightning have done that to other teams. When they've gotten rolling and the other team can't really stop them, and eventually the dam breaks and and they pop in a couple of goals. We saw that in that Vegas game, right? The Lightning pushed and pushed and pushed in the third period. They were down multiple goals, and they got the game tied. They ended up losing in overtime, but... They, they still did a good job in the third period. And if you're Vegas in that game, maybe if we were doing a Vegas show, we would come on the next day and say, you know, what happened in the third period. But in the playoffs, if we're going to look ahead to the playoffs, I think the Lightning have to manage opposition momentum surges a little better than they did specifically in the first period on Tuesday and the third period. Sorry, first period on Tuesday and the third period on Thursday. But if that's my kind of biggest cautionary takeaway from the two games, that's really a good sign for the Lightning. And in terms of the Devils made some big plays last night, like Timo Meyer scoring a six-on-four or power play goal in the closing minutes to get the game tied is a big play. But you think about the big plays the Lightning made, the five-on-three penalty kill for two minutes, followed by a Stamkos goal. Stamp goes scoring late third on the power play, and that was a situation where the Lightning popped one in against flow of play. They got a power play, and they converted on. It was only their second shot in the period, and it came with, what, under five minutes left in the third period. So most of the big plays did belong to the Lightning over these two games, and that also is a very positive sign. So I would come out of these two games feeling good about the Lightning's game, but there is still work to be done for them to get in quote-unquote playoff shape, I think. I would and, agree and, with that. And we, yeah, saw, yeah. We, saw a little, we saw little snippets of that over the two games, I guess. And I think that's fair. But what I'm saying is I think it's normal to have sometimes a little bit of an uneven performance when you go against a quality opponent. Agreed. So that's that's all I'm saying because I think you're right. Are there things you'd like the Lightning to clean up? Of course. But I think we're going to have that conversation, Dave, regardless of who the opponent is come playoff time because they're going to be going against a very mm-hmm. good opponent. So I thought they'd... Let's put, it, let's put it this way, Dave. The pros for me outweighed the cons. Maybe by a wide margin. And I'm, under, I'm giving wiggle room for some sloppy play on the Lightning's end because I respect the opponent, as you do too, who they're playing. You know, if this was against the Flyers, if this was against Chicago, you know, maybe the view would be a little bit different because you'd say, well, maybe the Lightning should have had their way a bit more because the opponent 
doesn't have anything to play for per se. Devils, you know, wanted to show the Lightning that they had a seat at the big boy table. Yeah. And maybe, Dave, they did. But the Lightning said, you know what? You may have a seat at the table, but you're going to sit when I'm leaving. And I think that's kind of how I looked at these two games. Maybe, again, I, I don't want to take, as you know, I don't like to make too much of regular season games, but I feel like in some ways you have to a little bit right now because there were so many people out there who were uneasy about the Lightning's performance over the last month. And again, I want to reiterate too, Dave, this was on the road, mm -hmm. an, an area where the Lightning have struggled, and they came through. And again, I don't, I don't want to make it a, a huge, a huge thing, but for those of you who did... I am wondering, did this alleviate some of the concerns you had at Bolts Radio? And you know what, partner? Let's get into it a little bit with the game when you start talking about Steven Stamkos and his performance. I know a lot of people on Twitter are reaching out, talking about the different line combinations. We, knew that we know how those can be. You know, those, those can change just like that. But I asked Eric the question yesterday, and I think you brought it up the other day too, and I, I think it's a fair one. Is the team better potentially overall offense, defense with Stammer centering a line, even if it means maybe the third line compared to being a winger on the first two? Now, he's been productive in that role, so perhaps we have a nice gauge of what his production could be. But I think most people would agree maybe he's more comfortable at the center position. And does that comfort, even in a third-line role, with a couple of different line mates, allow him to be just as effective, maybe more effective? And maybe, Dave, the, 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 the bigger question is, does it allow the team to be harder to play against? And I'm wondering, we can't gauge after one game, but as we know, when John Cooper's had some success mixing the lines and they've done well, I think at the very least, would you agree, we may see this combination on Saturday? Well, as far as Stamkos is concerned, first of all, he felt better. He said he felt better in the game last night than he did in his previous game played, which was Sunday against Winnipeg. And he said, in retrospect, maybe I should have taking that game off and use the the time to to get some rehab in and and not stress my leg. So from that standpoint, it was good that he sat out Tuesday's game because he felt better. He said he felt better. That was his best game in weeks. I feel comfortably comfortable saying that. I know he'd gotten some points in the past few weeks. Maybe it was that playing with Point and Kucherov, that line had gotten a little bit stale in terms of five-on-five five play. It coincided with the Lightning slumping, too. But whether it was kind of having the the energy of being with new line mates or being in the middle, which he was, he was fantastic last night. I thought he was skating. I thought he was dynamic. I thought he was getting open. He hit a post. That was during a power play in the second period. But he looked like the guy that we saw for much of the first half of the year and into the, the beginning of the second half. 
Now, does that mean that he needs to be at center in order to to look that way? No, but for now, yes. I mean, clearly, the the new line combinations paid dividends in terms of how Stamkos looked. So, to answer your question, I don't know what the lineup's going to look like tomorrow. Mikey Asimont may come back in for the Montreal game, but I would not be surprised if Stamko stays in the middle with Colton and Paul, and they accounted for an even-strength goal. That was the assist Stamkos had, the first goal of the game. The other two goals they scored, Stamko scored both. One was on the power play, and one was a weird line configuration because Stamkos and Chernak both came out of the penalty box. So I think the Lightning, when the goal was scored, had three defensemen on the ice. I'm checking that right now. They had, no, Kucherov jumped on. So Kuch got a plus on that one. So somebody went off. Actually, both defensemen went off. It was it was Sergachev and Cole were out there the full two minutes on that five on three. So Hedman and Chernak. Chernak was the other defenseman because he came out of the box. They were the two defensemen on the ice for the Stamkos goal. But it was a weird combination. Like Belmar was out there too with Kucherov because it was the end of a end of a penalty kill. I like that line. As far as the other lines, Sorelli Kalorn and Tanner Janot did well when the Lightning, I thought, were playing well, which was much of the first two periods. They had a lot of offensive zone time and they cycled. And they forced the Devils to play defense. And I think the same could be said of Point, Kucherov, and Hagel, even though they did not account for a five-on-five goal. If I'm being honest, I thought the school bus line struggled. They were out there for the first Devils goal against. And in the third period, a period in which the Lightning were struggling anyway, like Maroon took a penalty early in the period in the offensive zone, and they did not see a lot of ice time particularly Perry and Maroon. Belmar Belmar didn't finish with a lot of ice time either, but he did get some shorthanded time, both at the end of the five-on-three kill and then in the third period, lighting at two more kills. So he his minutes went up a little bit because he was playing shorthanded. So look, I don't know what that means moving forward, but as it relates to Stamkos, I thought that was a huge step forward for him in terms of how his game looked. Encouraging, wasn't it? Yeah. Encouraging sign. I think that's what we wanted to see. And he's healthy. And that's basically when he's healthy. We've seen him put up some really good numbers. And, you know, that's that's what you wanted to uh, take away from that game a little bit as well. Uh, special team also was a big deal, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah. In, in game two. You mentioned the five-on-three kill, letting him come out and score on that. And you don't score on a two-minute five-on-three. That's a big deal. Because it just... It, doesn't happen. What is it? The Phil Esposito rule. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the Devils almost back. almost got a result contrary to that rule. Yeah, right. Because they had a great third period, and if not for the shootout loss, you know they they could have won the game. Like they could have won the game in the shootout, but that was a big swing at the time it happened. But you know, it's it's funny. The difference was two one going into the third, as opposed to four one going into the third, which was the score on Tuesday. But the Devils took a gut punch when Kucherov scored in the final second of the second period on Tuesday and never really recovered. 
They took another gut punch when they didn't score in the two-minute five-on-three, and then Stamco scores right after that. That was a gut punch, but they rebounded. They recovered during the intermission, and they put forth a really strong third period. So I think that's a credit to them. Admittedly, it was a one-goal game. So, I mean, they were still within striking distance, but it was interesting to note how they reacted differently to a similar type situation in both games in the second period. Good stuff. No doubt about that. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved in the conversation. You certainly can. Anything else you wanted to take away, partner? Well, I mentioned this games? to you. Yeah, I mentioned this to you post-game. Face-offs were a problem for the Lightning in these two games. Now, it was actually a little bit closer. It wasn't close, but it was closer than what I thought watching the game last night. 34 to 23 Devils. But the Lightning and some guys that were hovering around 500, like point or 50%. Point was close to 50%. Sorelli was close to 50%. And like Jack Hughes was well under 50% for the Devils, which tells you how good many of the other faceoff guys were. Nico Heeshear was a big problem for the Lightning in the circle. He went 17 and 6 yesterday. He had a good night. The other night, too, actually, he didn't. I guess I'm not remembering that right. He was under 50% in the game on Tuesday, even though the Devils were 31-21 and 21 in the circle on Tuesday. So I mentioned this to you, Greg, post-game. Michael McLeod is one of the top percentage guys in the league, but he's their fourth-line center. So it's not like he's taking as many as, as some other guys who take a lot of face-offs. When he's out there, though, he usually wins them. Eric Hall is very good in the circle, too. He's usually in that 54, 55%. But it's not like the Devils are like the top team in in faceoff percentage in the NHL. They're right there with the Lightning for team percentage. So what I would like to see Sunday is the Lightning do better in the circle. And I think what happened last night, a lot of the really important faceoffs, the most important faceoffs, the Devils won. The notable exception being Nick Paul winning a faceoff early in the game after an icing, mm-hmm. and Colton scored. Yeah, but power play faceoffs for the Devils—they went six and one. The one they lost was the beginning of the last power play before they pulled Akira Schmidt, and and Sorelli won the draw and Hagel got it down the ice. But on the six on four power play which came after a save. Vasilevsky, this is completely got lost in the storyline. Vasilevsky made one of his best saves of the night on a point shot that was tipped by Jesper Bratt while they were on the five-on-four power play when it was 3-2. That was an incredibly difficult save because he's sheer standing right in front, kind of somewhat screening Vassy. So Vassy has to make the save on deflected shot, Bratz in the slot. He's not too close to the net. He's in the fill spot. He's right at the hash marks, slightly above the hash marks. That is a tough tip for a goalie to deal with. Vasilevsky made the save and did not allow a rebound. If there was a rebound there, he sure was in position to pounce. Huge save. But then the Devils called timeout, and they set up the six on four, and he sure won the draw. And seconds later, Timo Meyer shot it in. So special teams face-offs, particularly when the Lightning were shorthanded, 
were a big problem for them last night. And in the third period, I think the Devils won a lot of key draws to help build momentum and keep momentum as they kind of surged in the third period. So we'll see if the Lightning have an answer on Sunday. They aren't – forget the first couple of games of the year. We've seen enough of a sample size this year from them in the circle. They're an above 50% faceoff team. That's where they are. And for them to get pretty badly outdueled in the circle for two straight games is a little surprising. So we'll see if they have closer. They don't even need to win it, but you know, maybe we're looking at 30 to 28, you know, or something like that, or 31 to 30. Even if the Devils have an advantage, let's see what happens on Sunday if they if they have a response. And sometimes, you know, you look at the video too and and you make some adjustments in the circle as well. Yes. I would expect them to be better in that type of situation because they'll work on it. Plus, I think they have guys, Dave, traditionally, they're pretty good face-off guys. They do, yeah. So, you know, it's always one of those things where typically you revert back to the average you know, over a course of time, it, it kind of plays itself out. So you would anticipate a swing maybe the other way in something like that, where if they're down in the face-off department percentage-wise based off of what they've shown previously, they're going to revert back to the mean, so to speak. So I, I think just by nature they should be better, but maybe not. You know, we'll, we'll see yeah. how this weekend plays out. Their, uh, struggles, their struggles in the circle did not prevent them from getting four out of four points. Which, by the way, is even more impressive. Yeah. On the road, not winning face-offs as much as you have. Think about it. So, again, Dave, I want to reiterate, pretty good team. They beat. Mm-hmm. I think we came away and said we like the Devils. We liked them before, but, you know, seeing them up close. Who, uh, for you, did it did it confirm anything? Hughes, by far, their best offensive player? Yeah, he was very dynamic in both games. Yeah. He sure is very impressive. I think I had said for a number one overall pick, I'm not sure that he's a game breaker, but he's a very, very good player, which he is. I'm not sure that he is a game breaker, but he is a really solid player. Yeah. He may have led their team in scoring chances in the two games. Right. I mean, the Meyer goal that tied the game at two, he sure's in the middle of that. Right. Like he he drove to the net and Vassy had to make a tough save on Heeshear and then the rebound came out to to Meyer and he one timed it in. Meyer actually was quiet until the third period, honestly, of of last night's game. And again, we're looking at a guy he spent his whole career in San Jose, gets traded, he scores in his first game in the first period of his first game with the Devils, hadn't scored since, hadn't gotten a point since until the assist he had in Tuesday's game on the Severson goal. And maybe he's trying to find his way, but the goal he scored in the six on four, that looked like the Timo Meyer that we have seen in San Jose. So maybe that allowed him to puff out his chest a little bit, getting the goal to make it 2-2 and helped him. But the Devils are impressive. There's no question. I mean, we talked about kind of what they can bring when they get going, and they got going in two of the periods especially, as I mentioned, first period of Tuesday's game, third period of Thursday's game, they are a handful. They counter with speed. They have a, they have rush chances that they're able to generate. 
they're quick to pucks. They had a lot of retrievals in the third period where even if shots weren't on net, you know, they were they were being taken and getting retrieved. So the Devils had a lot of zone time. They're a very good team. They are. But I think to answer your question, Hughes was the most impressive, but he sure was not far behind. Let me, me ask you this. What about their goaltending partner? Because I'm not sure I'm completely sold on that. I'm not saying it's not quality. I think to get to this point, it is. Mm-hmm. But it didn't It didn't wow me. And in fact, I think you can make the case. Schmidt, right? Is that the, yeah. the, the goaltending? I mean, it was, was, was it he was more Schmidt. impressive? Yeah. <laughs> was he more impressive a little well, bit in, I think, in game two? I think the Devils would come out of the two games saying Schmidt was better than Vanacek. I spoke with some of the Devils people before the game on Thursday, and what I heard was they felt Vanacek should have, could have had a couple of the goals that got past him in the game on Tuesday, notably the Hagel goal where he's shooting from his strong side. I know there were a lot of goals that happened. <laughs> if you remember, fans, that was the the goal that made it 2-1 to one lightning where Hagel's skating on the left wing. He's a lefty shot. And it kind of went under the arm of Vanacek. We talk about pucks going through goalies. That would be a goal that went through him, not past him on either side. So I think that was the devil's sentiment. Vanacek has had a very good year, though. But what I heard was that you know his play has dipped maybe a little bit recently. Schmid has phenomenal numbers, but he's up because Blackwood's hurt. So when Blackwood is healthy, does Schmid stay? I don't know. We were speculating if Blackwood is still unavailable to play this weekend, who gets which game? Look, the Panthers are are trying to get into the playoffs. So, I mean, this is not like the Devils are taking on a last-place team on Saturday where they're going to say, well, we're going to hold the guy that we feel is going the best for Sunday's game. The Lightning are in a little bit of a different boat because Montreal is really struggling they have the option, presumably, to play Elliott tomorrow and hold Vasilevsky for Sunday. But I'll be curious to see how the Devils work their rotation this weekend. Yeah, for sure. We'll see how it plays out at Bolts Radio. Go ahead. I don't know if I have an yeah. answer for you, though. Like you said their goaltending may be a question. Maybe it will be a question. Their goals against, though, is very good as a team. So clearly it has not been a problem this year. No, no. I mean, I, I think this is where you have to do separate, though, also playoff hockey from regular season hockey. Fair enough. I do think there's something to be said for that. I've looked at save percentage maybe a little bit more specifically to their goaltenders than some other ones. And mm-hmm. is there something they're covering up potentially from their goaltenders that's allowed them to be really good? Well, Schmidt's save percentage was outstanding. I know. Heading I know. Until that's what last I mean. night's game. He took but a I don't think he's the guy. Do you think he's the guy come playoff time? I. I I have a hard time thinking they go with him right off the bat. Yeah, you know I what would, I mean. I, I would think it's Vanacek. Yeah, and if Vanacek struggles, maybe you have some, maybe you have some options after that. But Dave, again, this is one of those teams where are they solid in net with their convictions and who they have? I don't know. I and my answer to that would be probably not. But that's more of a guess. Yeah, at Bolts Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, Sherry says, what a game that was like a playoff game. I can't wait for Saturday or Sunday again. Well, it was fun. What was the atmosphere? What was the atmosphere like? I'm just curious. It was good. The Devils fans, when they are there and look, 
when you miss the playoffs that many years in a row, and they made How the long playoffs has it been? in tw- well, they made the playoffs in 2018. That's right. That's kind right. of as an upstart because Taylor Hall basically carried them on his back into the playoffs. He was the MVP yeah. that year, and then the Lightning dispatched of them in five games. But I remember the two games in New Jersey, and the crowd was raucous. They have great atmosphere there when the building is full or almost full, and it was for these two games. That's great to see. They definitely get on the referees at the least provocation imaginable. And I don't know. I mean, that must be part of the culture in there. They get into the refs, you blank, pretty quickly at the beginning of of games. Like at the first drop of a hat, the first penalty that goes against their team, they, they go right on the referees. So there's kind of a festive atmosphere in the building, I think. Yeah, good point. It's uh, <laughs> I I could hear. I, I love it when when you mention the opposing crowd sometimes, and a, a call goes against them, yeah. belly aching the way they do sometimes. But that's yeah, being, that's once, being a that's being a fan. Though, once they got because we didn't really talk about. It. So when I first saw the two penalties called on the Lightning, Chernak and Stamkos got penalties on the same player, Boquist. I think it was Stamkos tripping. I should look it up. Stamkos was slashing, Chernak was tripping on the same player. Yeah. So what happened was Boquist had a rebound shot. I thought Vasilevsky gloved it, and then Boquist basically hit Vasilevsky's glove to knock the puck loose, and the Lightning reacted on him. That was not the case. So Boquist didn't deserve a penalty. The puck, I guess, bounced out of Vasilevsky's glove, and Boquist was going for it, and somehow the two penalties happened at that at the same time. But that is a pretty bold move by the referee to call two penalties basically in the same play. Like, the penalties happen within probably a second or two of one another on the same player. So often you'll see the first penalty called, and they're like, all right, I'm calling one penalty. I know there might have been an infraction a second later. I'm not going to put this team down two men for two full minutes. So... You would think after that there wouldn't be any belly aching from the crowd about the officiating because they were basically gifted a second power play, giving them a two-minute five-on-three. And a two-minute five-on-three, as we know, it's two power play chances that is way more dangerous than two separate five-on-four power plays, which is what the Lightning had gotten earlier in the period. So I would say the officiating was, was fairly balanced last night i'll tell you one they might have gotten away with the lightning i don't know if you saw this replay on the stamkos goal that made it two to one chernak takes it behind the net and he is defending him and he loses his stick did you yeah. see that chernak I actually did. then fell over the stick after he unbelievable huh? passed it to Belmar. you know how he sure lost his stick chernak grabbed it and yanked it out of his hands Behind the net. Like, it was somewhat subtle, but I watched the replay. I'm like, what did Chernak do there? Because he sure is kind of trailing him a little bit, and Chernak kind of feels the stick there and just grabs it and yanks it away. And they could have called a penalty on him for that, and they didn't. But, of course, they had just given the Devils a two-minute five-on-three, so I can understand why they let it go. Right. No. And that was not the reason the goal was scored, because three Devils chased Chernak. Right. Behind the net to the side, which left Belmar and Stamp goes open. So 
Interesting. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. Who else do we have here? Now, this came from Jake right around, I think, the end of our show yesterday, Dave. He said, the Lightning preparing like they would they would a playoff series for these games against the Devils and Abs, or is it business as usual? The Devils and Habs? Is that what he said? Yeah. So I guess... Because they play Montreal twice yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. The start of the next road trip, which begins after this weekend, is in Montreal. So yes and no. I mean, we had Blashelon during the first intermission, and I asked him about the the two-game set, he compared it less to a playoff series and more to that 56-game season where a lot of teams saw an opponent two in a row, but you don't have the intensity of a playoff game or a playoff series. But I think that the part of it of you got a feel for a team and now maybe there's some adjustments that are made and because you're seeing the same team Two nights later, I think there is some of that. Montreal, the Lightning are going to have to prepare for this team because they do not look similar at all to the team the Lightning saw back in December, right? Because they played the Canadians after Christmas. That sounds I'm trying right. to remember when the first yeah, game was right. in Montreal. It was before that. They've had a lot of injuries. I mean, Caulfield's been out. Christian Dvorak's out, season-ending injury. You know, they brought up that Harvey Pennard. That's his last name, Raphael Harvey Pennard. I remember him because last year he scored his first NHL goal in a game against the Lightning. He's a seventh-round pick, and he's actually doing quite well for them. They also have a guy who was in the minors for much of this year but has come up and has scored fairly regularly. And I think it's pronounced Yessi Ulanen. His dad was Yuha Yelonen when he played in the NHL. So I don't know if Yelonen was the wrong pronunciation and now it's Ulanen, or if the son just said, I want to be known as Ulanen. That's how they're that's how they're pronouncing it. But I believe he scored in that game against Pittsburgh that Montreal one in Pittsburgh. Who didn't score then? Who didn't score in that game? Well, look, the Canadians are giving up a lot of goals, but they are putting the puck in the net. They scored five against the Panthers last night. The problem is they gave up nine. What did they lose to Colorado? 8-4? And they beat Pittsburgh 6-4? So that's what, 15 goals they've scored in their last three games. Yeah, for sure. Problem is they they can't keep the puck out of their own. They're net. leaky. They're a little leaky. Yeah, you know it happens. And no, whatever. Uh, Basil, real quick, says what a difference a week makes. In the midst of the slump, I was afraid those five minutes in Pittsburgh might be the defining moment of the season. Now I'm hopeful the defining moment will be the Stamkos goal twenty seconds after killing the five on three. That was special. Defining moment? Do we need defining moments in yeah, a regular I don't season know if we... though? I don't know if we need a defining moment. I think this this two-game trip helped the Lightning's road swagger. I know I've used that word a lot recently. But you need to have belief that you can go into a hostile building against a really good team and win. And I know the shootout is a little bit of a cosmetic victory. But at the end of the day, it goes down as a W, right? 
So I think cosmetically, even though it's a cosmetic victory, it was a tie, let's be honest. But the Lightning can say, look, we went into Jersey and we won two games. And instead of getting one added in the overtime shootout loss column, they got one in the win column, and now they are, quote-unquote, one game above 500 because they have an overtime loss in there. 17, 16, and one, right? Yeah. Before we sign off, partner, this is going to be a fun weekend, right? Yeah, celebrating Hall of Fame some induction Hall of Famers, right? Tonight, and then the the ceremony is tonight, but they'll have a ceremonial puck drop tomorrow, which will include Phil and Vinny and Marty. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk to some of those guys. You know, maybe throughout the broadcast. I know they're going to be busy, yeah. but... Are they going to be in the press box, though? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They may I have a know. suite. I mean, there are a lot of them. They may need Listen, to take two Dave, suites. if they want to talk to you and Phil, why wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, come on. If we're ever going to use our pool now, this is the time. I saw Ben Bishop was back in town. He did the block party. Right? Now, you know what my question is with Ben Bishop. When the national anthem is being played, <laughs> yes. will we see his face that... The three of us, and actually the four of us in the booth would always get a little chuckle when they would go right to the... I forget what part it was. Well, John Franzone <laughs> knew that Bishop did that because they it would go to tremendous. him. It was tremendous. And the face, it was <laughs> great. Somebody YouTube it, see if it's out there. When that happened, understand every time Dave, Phil, myself, and Steve would all look at each other and just get a chuckle. It was great. I want that to happen again for old time's sake, partner. That'll be a lot of fun. He was probably, I mean, look, hockey players are creatures of habit, so clearly yeah. that was part of his routine. I wonder if he was thinking about some, some some players say like they think about certain things when the anthem is being played. Bishop is American, so U.S. born. You never know. I mean, it yeah. could just be they were so locked in, so focused. I mean, that's the one thing that I always get amazed with these athletes, Dave. They just get dialed in dialed in to the point mm -hmm. where are they aware of what's happening around them sometimes you know, probably once there's a break in the action you can kind of see the fans and the, how loud things are but that's why it's always interesting after game i mean how long do you think typically it takes a player to decompress a bit especially after a playoff game you well know? the experienced teams can kind of move on i like they take time to absorb a win or a loss but they move on fairly quickly you have to in a playoff series. You do. Does it take you a while to, to come down after a playoff game? Well, like I write my post game. Does that help? So I'm kind of in, in game mode about. Yeah. Like game mode in terms of thinking about what just happened. So I'm not yeah. really moving away from the game. I don't know. You, I, I mean, mean, but you would agree, and I, I would, I would just say it from where I sit. There is more, there is an intensity to a yes. playoff broadcast than there is a regular season broadcast. Sure. I would agree. You know, and I well, think and certainly fair. there's a, uh, an intensity to playoff games. Yeah, heck that, yeah, that is higher. Most playoff games higher than regular season games. I mean, occasionally you have the clunker you in do. the playoffs. You do. That's a blowout, and both teams kind of settle in we've seen a few of those over the years for an away game in a playoff series what was the most electric atmosphere well i in? i can still say the loudest building i've ever been in that i can remember was 
the Bell Center in Montreal in 2004, Game 3, in the second really? series. So the Lightning ended up sweeping that series. And they were up 2-0, of course. They won the first two games at home. The first period of Game 3 was so loud, I could not hear myself talk through the headsets. Loudest building I think I've ever been in. And that was the third game was the game in which Le Cavalier scored a sixth attacker goal with the stick between his legs. And then Brad Richards won it early in overtime. That was the closest game of the four in the series, but the Canadians fans were really pumped to cheer. And also the Canadians had rallied in the first round series to beat Boston, big rival, where they were down 3-1. They won games 5, 6, and 7. They won game 7 in Boston, came straight to Tampa. Proceeded to lose the first two, but that was the first time the Canadians fans had seen their team since game (laughs) 6 of the first round series, and I think that they were excited to acknowledge the accomplishment of the first round as well. I've been in the Bell Center many times since then, including four playoff series, but I don't remember it being as loud as it was for that one game. Some of it is acoustics, too. Like, look, Amelie Arena gets really loud. Buildings can get loud. The Prudential Center was loud, I remember, in the playoffs in 2018. I didn't go to the Nassau Coliseum in 2021 because we were doing the games from the studio, but by all accounts, that was rocking for the three games there between the Lightning and Islanders in 2021. Hmm. To answer your question. I love it. Yeah. Partner, it's going to be a great weekend. It's been a fun couple of games, and we will have all the action right here on Lightning Radio, and then we'll be back at it on Monday. Is that right? Sound good? Yeah. Monday is a departure day again. We're back on the road, so we'll be... We'll be taping. Taping in the morning. So if you have questions, fans, stemming from the games of the weekend, get them in Sunday night, Monday morning. Love it. All right, partner, appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, talk to to you tomorrow. Thanks to Steve Erskine. Thanks to all our guests who joined us this week, and for all of you who listened, we appreciate you. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.